And I'm going to be sharing uh, what God has been dealing with me personally about. Uh, Make yourself available to God. And so this is a message to me, but I believe it's a message to, uh, to all of us as well. And let's read. I'm going to read the, uh, all 11 verses of chapter 1, uh, and then we'll proceed forward. And uh, yeah, I pray the message is edifying and challenging to you today. Starting in the first verse, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. So he's asking them about, how's Jerusalem doing? How are the people who survived the exile? And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. This is not a good report. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord of, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. So here we have a man who has a nice gig. He has a nice job, an important one, a comfortable one. He's a cupbearer to the king. And when some of his people are coming down from Jerusalem, though, In his comfort, in his nice job, he's concerned about the homestead. He's concerned about the place of God and the people of God, how things are faring since the exile. And what he gets is not a good report. This is the place where his, his fathers, his, his loved ones are buried there. The people of God have been scattered, and they're separated, they're all over the place, but the ones who have survived are not faring well. And he could say, oh, that's a shame. Or he could get all hot and bothered, and he could run down there to do something to fix it. But what is the first thing that he did? He prayed. We're talking about being available to God. What does that look like? What is God calling us to? The first thing that he did upon hearing that report 
It moved him. It saddened him. And he went into prayer. And we're going to look at that prayer a little bit more closely, but he didn't just ask God to fix the situation, did he? It wasn't just, oh God, those poor people, do something for those poor. Send somebody down there to them, Lord. Uh, uh, it sure would be great if you could change that situation around and, 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 and just do something amazing uh, uh, in those people's lives. No, he wept. He sat down. He said as soon as he heard these words in verse 4, he sat down and wept and mourned for days. And then he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, and I want to, early in this message, I really want to plant that seed, you know, in asking this question, right? When we come into the knowledge of, of serious situations or uh, 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 grievances, offenses, uh, uh, different ways in which people are either being oppressed or hurt or harmed or whatever, what is the first thing we do? Your answer can be different than mine, but, but what we ought to first do is acknowledge the presence of God. Because as bad as the situation is, right, as bad as the situation is, you know, there, anybody can come up with a good idea. But for the people of God, what matters, what should matter most is, okay, God, what, what, what is it that you want done here? What is it that you're doing? What is it that you want me to do? What can I do? What are you calling me to? What matters is what God is saying to us in the moment. Jerusalem and the people of God, they lay in ruins. They were desperate and in a desolate situation. Powerless to change that situation around in and of themselves. Nehemiah, truth be told, was powerless to change that situation around in and of himself. The best ideas of man can only accomplish so much. There comes a point when we don't need a good idea we need to hear God. And in order to hear God, we need to make ourselves available to him. And in order to make him av ourselves available to him, we have to take time to be still and just, and, and just call out to him and acknowledge him. So you know what, God? Either this situation shocked me. I didn't expect this situation. This situation is worse than I feared. But the first thing I'm going to do is acknowledge that there is a God in heaven who's present. He's present and mighty to save. There's a God in heaven who can do the impossible, who can do over and above, who can do far more than I can even ask or think. There's a God in heaven who whose heart grieves for his people even more than I do. Amen? You know, and sometimes we, I think we feel like we have to inform God. God, you, do you know how bad it is down here? When God knows it better than we do. We don't need to inform him, right? We, we need to make ourselves available to him so that he can inform us. as to what he would have us do. You know, again, the message title is Make Yourself Available to God. I felt like Nehemiah shows us a little bit of what that looks like when the first thing he did, other than weeping and mourning, was fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And let's look at his prayer in verse 5. And I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. All right? He starts off, right? He starts off praising God. He starts off exalting the Lord. God is great. God is mighty. God, 
despite these circumstances, you're awesome. You're a holy, I'm coming, I'm coming before a holy God. I'm coming before an awesome and powerful and mighty God. I'm addressing the God of heaven. Right? He's not the man upstairs. He's not the man above. No, he's God. He's a holy and righteous God who's faithful and true, right? He's, excuse me. So I feel like in, there's an attitude with which we need to approach God. Not to be cavalier, but one that acknowledges who he is. All right, so let's go on. Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant. We have a God who's a promise keeper. He keeps his covenant, right? We don't have to remind him of his covenant as though we're worried that he has either forgotten or that it's not a done deal that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, right? And so we come to him. He's a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeping God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. His love isn't iffy. It isn't sometimey. It isn't selfish. He keeps his covenant and he keeps steadfast love toward us. Right? And so we need to remind ourselves of the kind of God that we have. Otherwise, the circumstances and and other voices that, that aren't really honoring of God will cause our hearts to harden and, uh, and will lead us astray, and we'll be led by emotions down a pathway of destruction rather than in the will of God. All right, so he keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We don't get saved by keeping his commandments, but having been saved, we ought to be keeping his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. His personal situation is cushy, but the people of Israel's situation is not. And he's not so into his own personal comfort that he cannot be moved by the perils of the people of God. He's not okay with that. But there's something else in this prayer that I think often gets missed. He confessed the sins of the people. He even went so far as to confess the sins of his own house and his own personal sin. Oftentimes when we go before a holy God, when there is unholiness in our lives, you know what? That there ought to be a conviction to us that when we come to our God, we're coming to a holy and righteous God. And we got to come to that God acknowledging the sin in our lives. Confessing it. Not only are you holy, Father God, but, but, but those of us, you, you, you've commanded those of us who follow you, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And Lord, I know you don't walk in condemnation and judgment against me. It is by grace through faith that I have been saved. But yet and still, I stand before a holy God. And whenever I come before you in prayer, I am going to appreciate the, the gravity of that situation. I'm going to honor and respect the presence of the holy God whose throne of grace I approach in prayer. And so I want to encourage you, prayer is not just a time where we 
go before God with our needs and ask him to meet those needs. Prayer is a time we go before God where we can commune with him and we get into relationship with him, right? All right? And, and we're going before our king, our holy God and king. And when we approach him, there needs to be a humility and there, and, and there needs to be uh, a reverence before him that, that, that we don't take for granted those areas in our lives that where sin is present. We're going to acknowledge them and confess them before God. And we're going to invite God to do what he's already in his heart to do. So we're going to invite him, right? We're going to invite him uh, to do a work in us, right? To, to, to do whatever it is. Father God, in prayer, it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance, uh, Lord, I know there are some areas in my life that ain't right with you, and 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 it is my heart to repent. And I invite you to I invite you, God, to do the work of repentance in my heart. By your goodness, lead me to repentance. Lead me into the way everlasting. Right? Uh, uh, I know that salvation doesn't require perfection for me, but. But just because salvation comes by grace through faith is no excuse for me to stay in my sin. And so, God, I confess that sin with the heart to repent of that sin. And I'm asking you, God, to help me walk in that repentance. That's worshiping him in spirit and in truth. If we want the kind of results that Nehemiah gets, and don't worry, we're not going to read the whole book. That's a, that's a lot of chapters, 11, I believe. So we're not, going to, we're not going to do that. But I think we needed to, you know, park here uh, in that prayer so we can see the elements of it that we need to be implementing in our lives. How do we make ourselves available to God? In, uh, in this case, how do we make ourselves available to God in prayer? And when I say uh, uh, available, uh, what does that mean? Well, my definition, you know, I'm no Merriam-Webster, but what I feel like God has dealt with me is hold no part of you in reserve before God. Hold no part of you back. Hold no part of you in reserve from God. Right. If you know, if you're a bit prickly, uh, uh, a difficult person to deal with, you could have the attitude of, well, hey, that's how I who I am. People just going to have to accept that. Well, no, that's that that that's you holding that part of you back from God and don't hold that in reserve. You say, you know what, God, I am bought with a price. I'm not my own. Right. And and, and, and being a bit acerbic, being a bit prickly, you know, being a, a, a somebody who, who, you know, might have a bit of a potty mouth, right? That is not Christ-like, right? That is not in line with what Scripture tells me our conduct ought to be. And so if I'm in that camp, I could defend it, justify it, and say that's just who I am, accept me. The love of Christ, if you're really walking in the love of Christ, you accept me for who I am. No, 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 no. That's not how it ought to be, right? And so we have to, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Amen? And love your neighbor as yourself, right? So it's not about how somebody else is loving me. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be the love police as to whether or not you're loving me. What, I'm, what I am responsible for is whether or not I'm loving God. Right? And if I'm not loving you, I'm not loving God. If I'm not obeying his word, I'm not loving God. Right? And that's sin. And, then I, if, and, and instead of justifying that, I need to be convicted by that. And I need to confess that to God with an attitude of humility and repentance. And say, God, this isn't a good representation of Christ, my Lord and Savior, whom I represent in this earth. And Lord, I want to be a representative 
to him. I want to be available to you as a vessel of honor. And so I know you're going to have to deal with me in this area. And so, Lord, I yield to you. I confess it and invite you to deal with. And so in your prayer, if your prayer doesn't include that, all right, then your prayer is, is, is lacking a vitally important part that, that's, a, that's, that's, in, that's critical for your availability to God. We're not really being available to him if we're holding stuff like that in reserve. If we can't let him deal with our attitude, then we're not fully available to him. Are you hearing that? You know, it's easy. Uh, Certain sins are easy. Lust, adultery, fornication, you know, drunkards, all that other stuff. You know, we can look at those and say, oh, man, that sin, that person needs to repent. Uh, Our own personal attitudes and and, 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 and the way we treat people and, and all those things. Those things are a little bit, a little bit less obvious sometimes. But those are matters of the heart. And, and God judges the heart, right? That, 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 that is just as, you know, uh, pride, uh, haughtiness, arrogance, are just as detestable to God as the other sins that I mentioned earlier. And as it pertains to his church, he's going to have to, he's going to deal with us if we don't humble ourselves. Okay. He goes on in verse 6. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we've sinned against you, even I and my father's house. We've acted very corrupt. No, no uncertain terms here. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. That's their condition. And it's due to their unfaithfulness. Toward God, right? And so as as people of God, we need to realize that we need to remain faithful to God in, uh, in, in some areas that I think that we've let slide. It's not just the country. You know, it's one thing to say the country, America, has strayed away from God. You know what? That matters less than what the church has done. And so the church needs to be more concerned with where the church has strayed so that we can get before God in repentance, confess it, and repent so that, so that God can deal with us and lead us in the way that we should go so that we can uh, bring people into the kingdom, right? So once we get ourselves in sync with God, then we'll see the move of the spirit that we've been crying out for and craving Right? The, the world can't stop that. The only ones that can stop that are, are, are us. I, I hope you're hearing this. Right? The only ones that can stop that is us. And when we decide to allow God to deal with us where we're at, where we're missing it, where we're not representing him well, where we're being unfaithful in the things of God, that, to, so where we can correct those things, once that happens, then Katie barred the door. It's going to be on now because what, now we're in lockstep with God and now we're in a position where the Spirit of God is going to move. That move of the Spirit starts in the church and then flows out. Amen? And that's where I, I didn't have this in the... Uh, man, I tell you what, Sam, Sam Booth and Multimedia, they are so on it. I gave them those verses about two minutes before the service started. And, uh, you know, I know I put a burden on y'all uh, at times. And uh, pray for me to do better. But thank you 
that, that, that you guys are uh, so faithful and do such a good job back there. Um, but as it says uh, in, in, in Chronicles, if my people who call by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. If my people, right? So the land may have a, may have a mixture of God's people and people who are not God's people. He's like, I don't care what the pagans are doing. I don't care what the Gentiles are doing. I don't care what the unbelievers are doing. If my people who are called by my name, right, will get it together, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. We, and so wherever there are wicked ways in the body of Christ, we need to take a step back, take a, like we used to say, I'm going to date myself, take a chill pill. We need to chill out and get before God and make ourselves available to God. Not necessarily for the country. Not necessarily for uh, whatever battles and whatever else is going on. But God, it's like that old song, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother or father, my brother or sister, but it's me. And, 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 and me who stands before you now, Lord, right, I, I want to give an account to you. I want to be accountable to you. And I want to confess my, you know, you, uh, the Holy Spirit has convicted me. And, and I am responding to that conviction. And I, I want you to deal with me in this area, Lord. Uh, I am choosing the way of the Lord and I'm repenting right now. I am choosing to be available to you in this way. However long I've held this area of my life in reserve, I am surrendering it now. And, 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 and I believe every believer ought to be in that place. I don't know what you've held in reserve, but whatever you've held in reserve, it's time to make yourself available to God in that way, in that area. And so, Verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my home dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. Um, The message there uh, is acknowledge the presence of God wherever you are, wherever you find yourself. Acknowledge. Acknowledge him. Now, he said, I was a cupbearer to the king. The very next chapter, he's still in constant prayer. He didn't run to the king immediately. He says of himself that he intentionally did not, uh, he intentionally tried not to look sad in the presence of the king. And yet the king noticed his sadness anyway. And as he's praying, and he's praying, he's praying for God to give an answer. He's praying for God to reveal what he wants to do and to give him favor with the king. And the king notices, he said, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you so sad? You're not sick. And when the king asked him, he told him, he's like, well, Basically, the reason I'm so sad is that uh, my father's land, my people, it lays in ruins. The walls are all uh, torn down. He basically gives them the report. And again, he's a cupbearer. Hey, it is a very um, influential position. 
Um, it's not anything to sneeze at, but it's not like he is the king or the right-hand man to the king. He's the cupbearer. And I believe as what happens next is, as a, res, is a result of him making himself available to God repenting before God and being in constant fasting and prayer before God. The king asked, unprompted, the king asked, what, what, would you, what do you need me to do? What do you need of me? What do you want me to do? And before he answered that question, Nehemiah, the scripture says, he prayed and asked God. And then he went and told the king what he needed. And the king gave him everything that he needed. And we all know the story that he went and he built the wall and, and, and how he overcame the challenges and everything. That wall was built in less than two months despite enemy intrusion, despite all the challenges. This man was a cupbearer who prayed. A cupbearer who made himself available to God. who held nothing in reserve from God. God, what, uh, my body, my life, my resources, my gifts, whatever I have is yours. I'm available to you in whatever capacity you need me or want to use me. And this man shows up. He surveys the land. I like this, in my mind, he starts prayer walking. And he sees the state of things. He hasn't told the people why he's there yet. Just the contingent that was with him. He hasn't told them why he's there yet. This man has no background in construction. He has no background in leadership, how to command people, any of that stuff. He's just available to God. And after he goes, he prays, surveys the place, he goes to the people and he says, you know what? Let's build a wall. Let's begin the process of building the, what's been destroyed back up again. And instead of these people saying, who is this guy? Cupbearer comes from descending from on high in his cushy position. I'm going to come down here and tell those of us who've been trying all these years. This thing has been this way for about 140 years. It's, it's, been, it's, it's laying ruins. You think we haven't tried? You think no one came up with the idea of let's build a wall? He comes and builds the wall. He comes and said, let's build a wall. And everybody's like, yeah, we can do it. You know, this man got down on his knees before God and humbled himself. And, and, and with him humbling himself, with him lowering himself before God, God was elevating him in, in influence. And, you know, he, he, really he was just a guy. And you may be just a guy. Or you may be just a girl. Well, you're the perfect person for God to use. Be just a girl. Be just a guy that's available to God. And if you will humble yourself, if you will confess your sin, and, 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 when, and when the Spirit of God convicts you, you respond in humility and obedience before God, You declare, God, I'm available to you. Do with me what you will. Do in me what you will. Then it doesn't matter. You may be just a guy. You may just be just a girl. But, but, but you're someone that God can use to great effect. To do great kingdom work to transform people's lives. You know, we... We can't elevate ourselves. We shouldn't even be trying. What we should be doing is um, 
getting down on our knees before God and just trust that God is faithful and he's going to lead us in the way that we should go. Um, uh, He'll elevate us when necessary. There's no limit to what God can do in us and through us. But God did give him success. God did answer his prayer. But if you read through Nehemiah, you'll see in every major situation, every big situation, before he acted, he made himself available to God. He was a prayer. He was a prayer warrior. Not just for others, but he kept himself humble before God. God, this is not my decision. This is not my will, uh, uh, but it's your will be done here. I am not my own servant. I am your servant. Presented with this new facts, presented with these new situations, my first order of business is to go before you and say, what, what would you have me do, God? Let that be our story as well. Um, I want to finish up in First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. You know, in order for us to be available to God, we got to learn to be still um, before God. And I was talking with Pastor Dale uh, earlier this week and talking about being still, you know, Being still doesn't mean being inactive, but uh, being still is an attitude that acknowledges his presence wherever you find yourself. It's an attitude of faith. It's an attitude that, that trusts in the word of God that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he is an ever-present help in time of need. Uh, Or as Psalm 139 says, you know, where can I go where you are not there with me? You know, where can I hide from your presence? There's nowhere that I can go where God is not there with me. Okay? And, and, and we're just going to have to settle that issue in our hearts. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. Um, I really like 12 to 18, but we'll stick with 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Now, this isn't always easy, but it didn't say rejoice sometimes, did it? Rejoice always. Always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's a hard one right there. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, I can't tell you what your specific calling is in the Lord, but there are some things that Scripture makes clear is the will of God for us. You know, it starts off, you know, in that passage about honoring those who rule well over you, those who uh, God has entrusted to, uh, to lead the people of God. It talks about being in peace with one another and loving one another and all those things. Oh, that's the will of God for us. That is his will. And so when we don't do those things, we're disobeying him and going against his will. Right? And... It concludes by saying rejoice always, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength, not our circumstances, not whether we are doing well or not financially or whatever. Uh, rejoice always because, because of this, there is always cause for rejoicing. Because of the cross, the, because of the cross, we have reason to rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Okay, acknowledging God in all things. Give thanks 
in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all things. Uh, uh, a, a Bible story comes to mind that, that I've often quoted, and that's Paul and Silas. And you've heard me say before, these guys were going about doing the will of God. They cast a demon out of a woman, and those who used uh, her ability for profit didn't like the fact that they had just lost their moneymaker. And so they reported them, got Paul and Silas beaten and put in jail. And let's put ourselves in the position of Paul and Silas for a minute, right? Because the scripture just says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I ain't going to lie to you, I would love to believe that I would be like Paul and Silas in a worshipful attitude with my back beating all the heck and, 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 and me shackled in a prison. But I probably would have a hard time seeing reason to rejoice in that situation. I'd probably have a difficult time praying without ceasing. I'm sure I'll be praying for my back to heal up or something like that and for God to break these shackles so I can walk up out of there. But giving thanks? God, what is there to be thankful for in this situation? Here I am doing your work. And then I get railroaded into prison. I've gotten beaten. My back is all bloodied up. I'm shackled in this prison. And all I did was cast a demon out of a woman. But it says around midnight they began to worship. Now listen to me because this, this is what being available to God looks like, right? They, they, they knew something that I didn't know, Right? They're, they're humble before God. They're available. They know that this circumstances, this circumstance, you know, isn't an end. It's a means to some kind of end. And, and though they don't know what it is, they, they know the faithfulness of God enough to know that God might be at work here, right? So, Lord, I don't know what this is about, but I'm available to you. I was available to you when the day started. I remain available to you with a bloody back in, in this jail cell. I think, I believe that's why when, when, when the jail cell, when the jail shook and all the doors opened to each jail cell, they remained there. They didn't run. They didn't say, oh, praise Jesus. He answered my prayer. Let's get up out of here. Everyone stayed, even the actual people who earned their way there. You know there was a work of God at work there. Right? Because even the ones who may have had the death penalty, nobody left. Everybody stayed. But the ones that matter most in this is Paul and Silas because they're the ones that don't belong there. And, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no justification for them to be there. They didn't earn what they got. And so it's about their conduct in this situation their availability to God. When that cell opened up, the jailer just knew that people fled. And he knew what that meant. And so he was going to kill himself. And Paul and Silas, they called out to him, says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Now, only a person who's available to God, no matter what the circumstance will sit there even when the shackles miraculously open up and get off of their wrists and their ankles, when their cell door opens. And it looks like there is a, uh, God has provided a way of escape. Only someone who's available to God will sit there and wait and see what God wants to do. 
The flesh, I know, I know the flesh wanted out of there. But they weren't slaves to the flesh. They were, they, they were slaves to God. And because they were, they were still there when the jailer would have taken his own life. And they said, don't do it. We're all here. What's the end result of that? You know, they, they, there was nothing obvious, I guess I could say. There, there wasn't very much to be thankful to God for up to that point. But that jailer who was going to take his life, they prevented him from taking his life. They saved his life. And, and, and the way that they conducted themselves before God, it had an impact on those other prisoners who despite their own cell doors opening, they didn't leave. And the impact on this jailer who tended their wounds and invited them into his house. And then we have the reason to rejoice. Because in that house is where the jailer and his whole household got saved. You know, and I just believe when they were in the process of sharing the gospel and leading that jailer and his entire household to the Lord, everything they went through up to that point was worth it. In that moment, like a mother who's holding her baby for the first time in her arms, it, uh, the whole nine months that led up to that moment was worth it. We don't know how a circumstance is going to turn out. But we know that if God allowed us to go through it, it's not too much for us to handle. Because he said he wouldn't give us more than we can bear, right? And despite how distasteful it is that we might have to go through that thing, God is able to turn it for our good and use it for his glory. You know? And so... Uh, and, and I'm remindful of the, of the scripture that says that for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, despising its shame. Right? Uh, the joy wasn't the cross itself, but it, it, it was what would be produced as a result of him going through the cross. The joy that was before him. And so he willingly subjected himself to that for the joy of our being reconciled with him. Amen? Right? And I, and I, and I just believe that in circumstances, you know, uh, both from Paul, Nehemiah, Joseph, Jesus, all of them, you know, there's so many examples of them being willing to endure hardship in order that the glory of God might be revealed. You know, and I think we got to be willing to, to go there with God ourselves, right? We can rejoice, God. I can rejoice. I don't know how this thing is going to end, but I know him whom I serve. I know him in whom I believe. I, I've tasted and seen that the salvation of God is good. And so I may not be able to rejoice in these circumstances that I'm experiencing, but I can rejoice in the truth of God. Pray without ceasing, ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. And I will conclude with this. Same chapter, a few verses further down, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You know, it's not up there yet, but, uh, you know, uh, it is my plan to have uh, a, a new scripture verse up there from John 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Thy word is truth. Um, you know, we all need to be sanctified in the word of God. Right? Um, 
And, and, and this is uh, what's being said here too. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Um, and I want, I, I want that to be uh, those words to comfort you, right? God is doing the sanctifying work in us, right? It's okay that you're not perfect, but you're on a journey. You're on a walk with God, right? And, and, and you have to keep persevering in that walk with God. And if you fall, get back up, right? If you sin, own it. Confess it. Repent to God, right? Uh, because you want to be holy as he is holy, you will subject yourself to accountability. Because you want the character of Christ formed in you, right? You don't want anything that would hinder you from being fully available to the Lord, right? So let's make ourselves available to God. Um, whatever you've had in reserve, right? Kids, right? If, if, if you're feeling yourself, if you've gotten old enough, you're feeling yourself now, and, and you're being a little bit disrespectful towards your parents. I see some smiles over there. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, don't, don't justify that because there's a commandment that says honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with the promise, right? Honor your father and your mother. You need to obey them in the Lord, right? To not do that is to be in rebellion against God's word. That's just the way that it is, all right? And, and, and our kids need to know that, right? This is, you know, I used to be a because I said so. I don't know how many times I used that. But you know, while there should be a point that if dad says it, right, then it carries a weight that needs to be respected. It needs to be received well and, and obeyed. But it's not just because dad says it. Right? If you have a godly dad and he's giving you an instruction, he's giving you uh, uh, something that you need to obey him in, then you need to obey your dad because of what God says. You need to obey your mom because of what God says. And we need to give our kids the truth. What does the word of God say? All right, we're, we're, we're in conflict. We're in friction here. All right, let's take it to the word. And let's let the issue be settled by God because we're supposed to be people of the word. Right? And, and we're going to need to stand and walk in the truth of God's word. And if I find myself, and we need to train our kids, if we find ourselves in violation of God's word, that's, that's a problem. We need to deal with that, and we need to get ourselves in line with that. Right? And so uh, it's, it's not just an issue of your opinion versus your parents' opinion. This is, it goes deeper than that. Am I loving God in my attitude towards my parents? Am I honoring him? Because if I dishonor my parents, how can I say I honor God? If his command is to honor my parents. Are you hearing that? Right? These are not legal violations that can get you arrested. But, but you know, we, it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says or doesn't say. It doesn't matter what are the laws of our land say or doesn't say. What matters is God's word. Now, uh, it probably was a little extreme to say it doesn't matter. That we want there to be godly laws and we want there to be order in society and what have you. But, 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 but our trust are, isn't in the laws of the land. Our trust is in the lawgiver. Right? Our trust is in the Lord our God. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm just going to challenge you again to be uh, 
to be available to God, mind, body, soul, spirit. Just very simple, simple truth. Uh, you need to be in daily prayer before God. And like I said earlier, uh, uh, modeling Nehemiah's prayer, not just a daily prayer where you list off a list of needs that you want God to fulfill. But prayer where you're doing relationship business with God. And you start off by, by extolling his goodness. You start off by uh, talking, telling him about how awesome and, and holy and acknowledging his greatness and his faithfulness and his wonderfulness. And then confessing your sin before God. And it's okay to give God your needs. He knows them anyway. But I would encourage you to, to, be, to, to include in that time a time where you just be still. with your mouth closed and by the power and work of the Holy Spirit you filter out all of the things that tempt you to anxiety or worry or all the things that need to be done and just say you know what God I am going to be fully present with you in this moment I'm not here with an agenda I'm not here with the list of to do's that I want you to take care of I'm here for no other reason than, be in the, than to be in the presence of my God. I'm here for no other reason than to commune and fellowship with my God. And, 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 and Lord, if, if whatever unholiness that I am bringing into this encounter uh, with you, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, uh, I'm not going to dismiss it and take it for granted. I'm going to come before you and I'm going to repent. I'm going to confess it. And I'm going to repent because uh, I'm coming through the veil. I want to go into that most holy place and of intimate connection and relationship with you, God. And I want that every day. Um, I may not get from you what my ultimate call is. Uh, I, I, I may not get some amazing revelation today, but, but all that is secondary to me actually being in your presence. my prayer that that would be our pursuit and that that would satisfy us. Hallelujah. Father God, I lift up every uh, everyone present here and, and watching online, Lord. And, and um, uh, Father God, I just uh, I thank you that you are convicting hearts. Uh, thank you for the message that you have shared uh, with us, Lord. And and I pray your grace and your divine wisdom on each and every heart, Lord, that they receive the truth of this word in faith. They take it to heart. And that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would lead them into uh, how to implement this word of truth in their lives. I thank you that every one of them, Lord, uh, though they have been available to you, that they will be more available to you than they've ever been. That whatever that they've held in reserve, they won't hold in reserve anymore. I don't know everybody's situation, but you know everyone's situation. And you're dealing with us all in the areas that we need to be dealt with. Lord, I just, you're so awesome. And, and Lord, I pray that you are glorified and, and, and exalted in all of our hearts. I pray that everyone here 
whatever walls have been torn down and destroyed, whatever desolation exists in their life, Lord, that you will quicken in their hearts, Lord, uh, as they are, make themselves available to you, you will inspire them to action that will lead to the rebuilding and restoration of those walls, healing and restoration in those areas of their lives. That as they make themselves available to you, you will lift them up and exalt them to greater impact in life-transforming ways. And Lord, as you do that, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. We will give testimony to the goodness of our God and the great things that he has done. To you be all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.